Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Callender. Uh, we have quite a little bit to talk about here uh, with the wrap-up of the NFL Week 13. The Steelers defeated the Bengals 23-20, so uh, Steelers failed to cover the 5.5. Uh, so it came right in at the over-under line of 43. I mean, <laughs> again, sometimes... You, you can't write these things. It, it was a back-and-forth contest. Uh, fortunately, it was marked by the uh, severe injury to Ryan Chazier at the very start of the game where uh, he suffered a lower back injury. Uh, so the news on that is still uh, pending with the uh, hospital, as it should be. I mean, no one should be able to find out uh, without uh, being an immediate family member. But thoughts and prayers to... Mr. Shazier and his family. But uh, in terms of the game itself, uh, after that unfortunate incident, a very physical game, a ton of penalties. Uh, You had over 200 yards of penalties between the two teams. Uh, Cincinnati had 107, uh, I believe it was 173 yards in penalties. Just very, very... Intense game, as usually uh, rivalry games are, but in terms of uh, how it was handled by the Bengals, just a bit too much on the edge. It actually kept the Steelers in the game. They were uh, Since it was up 17-0, the offense, once again, just disappears completely. The uh, Joe Mixon's injury did not help matters at all for Cincinnati. I thought uh, after he went down... Uh, uh, the Bengals offense uh, struggled a bit, even though Gio Bernard did what he could. I just think Mixon brings a different element to that team that uh, the other running backs can't replicate. So uh, the Steelers caught a break there and uh, did what they needed to do to get the win. But again, this was uh, one of those games where the Steelers don't look good on the road. I, I keep saying it, the Steelers can be had in the AFC playoffs. Uh, I just think it's a matter of uh, which matchup they run into, but if you know if they get into a matchup against a team like Jacksonville, 
if Blake Bortles does anything to not trip over his own shoes, I think Jacksonville can beat the Steelers. I, I'm not sold on the Steelers uh, as a, a playoff team this year. Uh, even if they had a home uh, playoff game, I still think they could be had uh, in a matchup uh, in the AFC side. But, uh, you know, uh, the AFC is wide open this year outside of New England. So, uh, New England's going to take it, uh, barring an injury to Tom Brady. But uh, outside of that, it's anyone's guess who's going to actually take over because Kansas City has fallen off a cliff. Uh, the Chargers are red hot. I think the Chargers are a better team than the Steelers right now. As crazy as it sounds, for a team that started 0-4, uh, the Chargers could actually be the second-best team in the AFC right now. But uh, it's... Uh, Anyone's a guess as to how it's going to shape up, but uh, uh, that's uh, my observations for a Monday night uh, game here where the Steelers uh, get the win, but uh, didn't really answer a whole lot of questions as to how that team is going to respond in the postseason, in my opinion. I think you can lock them up, and uh, as much as uh, Le'Veon Bell can hurt you and uh, Antonio Brown can hurt you, I I still think you can control... Uh, time possession against the Steelers, and you can grind out a win against them. So, a couple of items I wanted to get to uh, this week that I just have not been able to touch upon. Uh, you know, I I joked about the uh, turf guy from the uh, uh, big uh, Big Ten title game uh, Saturday night, but uh, uh, you know, one of the things that I kind of wanted to get into was. Uh, just uh, the Shohei Otani uh, scenario that's going on with Major League Baseball. So those of you who have not been uh, uh, paying attention, Otani is the number one prospect out of Japan. Uh, he is being described as a Babe Ruthian type of player because he's a pitcher and a hitter. Uh, obviously, his hitting prowess is not along the same lines of Babe Ruth. But uh, it looks like he can be a decent outfielder as well. But he's focusing his efforts on pitching uh, as well. So there's talk that he could be looking at an NL team so that he can pitch but still get his reps in hitting-wise. Uh, so, But uh, in terms of the list of suitors, it was lengthy because uh, Otani has actually gone through uh, a different process than most. Uh, so... He's actually for uh, gone uh, the uh, additional years he could have spent in Japan to guarantee uh, a significant signing bonus with a team. Uh, instead, he's only subject to a max signing bonus of $11 million. And I know some folks can hear $11 million is like, that's a ton of money. But compared to some of the deals that we've had in the past for Japanese players, uh, he's foregoing uh, a good $30 million uh, by not waiting an additional couple of years. So uh, he's he's taking a big risk here by uh, betting on himself to actually make it in the majors without actually having more cachet built up uh, from playing in Japan. Now, heading into this uh, free agency bidding process, uh, you obviously had the front runners of the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, and uh, Seattle just because of uh, the age market there. Now... It, surprising news, uh, Otani uh, had his meeting with the Yankees and actually ruled them out of the process. So he's actually coming to a decision 
by next week, but the Yankees are already out of the process. Uh, the justification that he gave uh, through his representative seems to be that uh, even though the Yankees put on a great presentation, uh, the two biggest drawbacks that they could not get past was the fact that uh, the Yankees are on the East Coast and they're a big market team. Now, that's an interesting uh, corollary there because, uh, you know, one would think that you're looking to establish your name brand uh, in terms of uh, being an international star and you're coming over to the majors. Usually you would want to go to a major market because you can uh, uh, expand upon your marketing and the fact that you're not making the same money that uh, you would typically have made with other Japanese stars. So you're looking at to get the further justification there. So uh, a little bit surprising that uh, that was the justification being made there. So uh, what that kind of signals to me is the fact that uh, Otani is... uh, looking at it from a perspective of which team can actually give him uh, best bang for buck, if you will, uh, moving forward. So uh, one of the things that I would actually kind of look at it and say that, uh, you know, uh, I, 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 I mean, that I'm automatically that rules out the Red Sox. But if I'm looking at this objectively, uh, the list of suitors that he – put out uh, in the finals so uh, basically uh, centers this all on pretty much on the West Coast teams I gave an exception to Chicago but I think the uh, Cubs are more of an uh, of a uh, distant distant uh, of, uh, in terms of a viable spot for him I think the Cubs are uh, are still such a large market uh, based following with their fan base that I just don't think that uh, fit would work, but the fact that they were talking about the size of the club, I actually think this puts the Dodgers at a disadvantage. Uh, given the new uh, media market uh, deal that uh, the Dodgers ownership group with Magic Johnson worked out, the Dodgers have gotten even more of uh, of, of a following in terms of just social media and marketing push. If, if you've noticed. Uh, in recent years, with their amount of coverage on the uh, ESPN and other outlets, it's it's taken it to a whole nother level of uh, just uh, you know, market branding. So uh, I look at this and I, I kind of look at it from the standpoint of if I'm representing Otani and he is seriously looking at a smaller club, it's surprisingly enough it. The, Three teams that I'm coming up with uh, that will be the front runners in this would actually be the Angels, the Mariners, and believe it or not, the Padres. Now, again, you you would hear those three clubs, and you're saying, Dwayne, why would he even be considering those clubs? None of those clubs have been to the postseason in ages. you know, it doesn't seem to be a fit. But the way I'm looking at it is that if Otani is serious about uh, a good fit for him and it's actually going to be a fit where uh, it plays to his strengths as a pitcher, then all those ballparks actually uh, 
play out uh, decently well because uh, Anaheim, uh, Seattle, and San Diego are in the bottom third of uh, ballpark dynamics in terms of uh, batting average and power uh, throughout uh, Major League Baseball. Now, when you consider that Otani is a right-handed pitcher, uh, the metrics that you're kind of looking at is uh, you're looking at ballparks that uh, favor uh, right-handed pitchers and uh, take uh, less emphasis on left-handed hitters. So, uh, like I said, uh, Anaheim, Seattle, and San Diego, uh, I mean, Petco Park is, like, death for any legitimate power uh, hitting left-hander. I mean, the only guy who actually made Petco Park uh, work for years was Adrian Gonzalez, and I still think uh, if Adrian Gonzalez had pl- started out his career and had his hit his prime in just about any other market, Adrian Gonzalez would be uh, you'd be talking about Adrian Gonzalez as a first ballot Hall of Famer because I think his numbers would have been that m- much more uh, eye popping and gigantic. Uh, even though he put up Agon put up monster numbers in San Diego, I, I think if he played in pretty much any other ballpark uh, during that time period, uh, he would have been the top hitter in baseball. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, uh, from a left-handed standpoint, uh, it is hard to hit balls out in Seattle and San Diego. Anaheim, uh, you still have that same issue. But at least with Anaheim, the reason why I'm, I'm saying that this is a distinct possibility is the fact that you can pair him with Mike Trout and then you would have a top-tier, what scouts view as a number-one starter on a rotation, and you compare him with Mike Trout. And the Angels have not had a significant uh, starter to go with Mike Trout to bolster that team because the Angels have been stuck in mediocrity for years now because of the Albert Pujols contract. And again, Albert took the money, but Albert can't possibly live up to that contract, especially at this advanced stage of his career, uh, given the injuries. The Angels were expecting to at least have uh, been in contention for a title uh, uh, for a few years now and then would just eat the money on these tail-end years. didn't work out that way just because of various injuries and the fact that the Angels never really developed the starting pitching talent to actually support uh, Trout. So, uh, again, this would actually give them the shot in the arm that they need to uh, move forward uh, if they want to be serious in the AL West, especially considering that it's not going to get any easier uh, for them moving forward with uh, the way uh, Houston is. But, again, uh, in terms of the other markets uh, that could work, Seattle... Seattle works uh, for a number of reasons, uh, just because of uh, the established Asian population there. Uh, you have uh, the Ichiro uh, example, where you can grow your brand in a smaller market and still get uh, nationally recognized uh, over the years. Uh, the reason why I don't think Seattle works as well is just uh, twofold. One being the fact that Seattle doesn't necessarily have uh, the greatest uh, in terms of track record and building uh, building around players. Uh, I think Otani would need a little bit more support in terms of uh, uh, 
pitching and also uh, just uh, general uh, uh, depth issues uh, of the Mariners roster. Uh, the Mariners seem to be in a flux period of they can't decide whether they are going to go all in or they're going to start uh, doing a rebuild because, I mean, they gave Robbie Cano the contract and then even since then they're still debating whether or not they should keep him. Uh, I just think that the Mariners are kind of stuck in neutral. So if they get Otani, I mean, that would actually give them an impetus to actually go all in and make finally make a decision with this roster. It's just that if I'm Otani, why am I going to take the risk of signing with a team that you don't know if they're going to be doing a drastic rebuild within two years? Uh, it's just a big risk uh, in terms of uh, going to the Mariners. Plus, uh, the other issue with Seattle is the fact that they have the worst travel schedule in Major League Baseball. They travel more miles than any other team. It's always been that way just because uh, Seattle being up in the Pacific Northwest, you got to fly out to everywhere you go. There's no local way of transporting other than uh, logging into flight miles. So, uh, again, they have the most brutal travel schedule. Uh, and for a younger player that's not used to traveling as much because in Japan, I mean, you're basically taking the bus uh, uh, that could be a significant adjustment period. So, uh, you know, that is a, a knock against uh, Seattle. Now, the last entrant here that, you know, people won't, uh, weren't talking about, but I think the fact that the Yankees were cast out for uh, the big market reasons, I, I think this plays into uh, their wheelhouse, is the Padres. The Padres have been for lack of a better term, a doormat uh, the last couple of years. They stockpile picks. They don't really sign any big-name free agents. It's about as small market as it can be. I mean, sometimes you can uh, look at the Padres and say, oh, they're still in the majors because that that's really what the Padres are. They don't they don't register on the Richter scale. They don't make it. They don't, they don't, they don't attract any buy rates. They're just kind of there. And if Otani wants to be just a guy that uh, can prove himself in the majors and put up good numbers as a pitcher and kind of test his medal that way, the perfect entry point is uh, uh, San Diego. Uh, he's not. He's going to fly under the radar. He's not going to uh, cause much of a fuss. Uh, it's just uh, it'd be a lot easier for him to adjust to the major league pitching with no one focusing on him. Uh, that he, uh, without the scrutiny that I would get with uh, uh, being in San Francisco or on the Dodgers. I, I just think that uh, based off of uh, some of the communication that's uh, been had uh, with his handlers and uh, to Major League Baseball representatives, it seems as though uh, he's looking at it this from testing himself, but doesn't necessarily want to have the media attention that uh, teams would be looking to market him for, and if he's not looking uh, looking at it from uh, that dynamic, and he's just looking at a spot where he can test himself as a pitcher, he can hit a bit. I think uh, being in the National League system, he'll get the at bats, and he can work his way through. Uh, you know, he can work his way through without actually uh, putting himself in a tight spot. Plus, in the National League, he can pitch hit. There are so many different ways you can utilize him. And again, being in a small market like San Diego, it's the best way to tuck him in. 
Major League Baseball would hate this because they want to market him, and it is really hard to market San Diego. I mean, even for as great as he was, the late great Tony Gwynn really did not get marketed all that much by Major League Baseball. He got a ton of hits, and he's well-loved, but in terms of marketing power, I mean, realistically, no one on the Padres ever got a huge media following. So, uh, again, this is uh, one where uh, you can have a player that actually uh, defies the usual expectations here with Otani. Uh, So, it's going to be interesting to see what the final decision is, but... I would say if you want to keep an eye on this uh, and you hear the name San Diego, I, I, I'm i just saying that it, it's it's strange. Don't get me wrong, but I'm at this point, uh, given what the initial feedback has been, I, I wouldn't be shocked uh, by uh, that decision being reached by his uh, representatives. So uh, that's, uh, that's my take on the situation. It looks like he's... Uh, he slots in favorably as a number two pitcher. If you want to move him off to number one, uh, he's going to need a little bit more protection, so he's going to need a more favorable ballpark. Uh, that is one where I know the Dodgers would love to have him because they, they want to solidify uh, uh, that rotation even further just to uh, make sure that they have insurance policies in case uh, Kershaw... Uh, has an injury uh, similar to what he did uh, this past year. But I'm also curious because Otani may not be willing to put up with uh, some of the pitch count uh, limitations that MLB franchises have been uh, instituting uh, uh, predominantly with the Dodgers and the Astros with kind of limiting their starters to two times through the batting order and then getting pulled the third time through. that's a definitely different dynamic than what you're used to in Japan. So, uh, again, uh, we'll see how it goes in, in terms of uh, the decision being made next week. But uh, I, I would keep an eye open because I think you may get a surprising result from the usual uh, heavy hitters uh, in terms of uh, major league marketing uh, that he ends up signing with. So, uh just to uh, go uh, keep it on the topic of baseball, I know some folks uh, were reaching out to me wondering, uh, now that it's official about Aaron Boone being named the manager, uh, my take on the situation is pretty much similar to what I had stated previously over the weekend, is the fact that Aaron Boone is a likable, personable guy from every interaction uh, with uh, people in the media and baseball, so... Uh, I'm not surprised uh, uh, by uh, his selection. I'm curious, though, as to the long-term effect if he can't win a title uh, with the Yankees. Because, again, this is a young roster with a lot of expectations being placed on him. He's going to be learning on the ropes. And if things don't go well, uh, the, the New York media machine will churn up and start trying to eat him alive. Uh, how he's going to respond to that. My perspective on this is the fact that the Yankees are trying to get as far away from the Joe Girardi model as possible because I think the Yankees felt as though Girardi was hampering his own team uh, because he couldn't uh, relate to them well enough. And uh, they're pointing uh, uh, pretty closely to the Gary Sanchez situation, which 
again, from those of you who have listened to the podcast in the, uh, in the past, I've always stated that part of uh, Girardi's uh, inclination to uh, basically uh, harp on every uh, uh, defensive liability tendency that Sanchez has stems from the fact that Girardi has never really gotten over the fact that he was replaced at the as the Yankees catcher for Jorge Posada, who never had the defensive acumen that Girardi had, but because he could hit, uh, got the job over him. And I think he just still, to this day, harbors kind of a grudge on that. And I think that's part of the reason why he was always on Sanchez for uh, the pass ball issue. Which, again, you want to prevent pass balls, but uh, for your manager to consistently call you out when uh, Austin Jackson... uh, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Austin Romine, rather, uh, uh, had the exact same pass ball issue, and it doesn't get brought up in the postgame conference. Uh, it just seemed to be that there was some underlying personal uh, idea going on there, plus the handling of the Batances towards the end of the year. Uh, there were just a number of relationships uh, with Girardi that were questionable at best of uh, how he was a uh, uh, being handled in, in the role, and I think that ultimately played a down uh, a, a, a factor in his downfall as the Yankees as skipper because it didn't appear to be that uh, Cashman was going to stay on with him regardless of how the season went. I think Cashman is looking at this from a long-term play of he wants a figurehead uh, representing the team, not necessarily a manager. So, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Boone, Kind of the way I got to look at him, and I, I, I said it before, I, I look at him as the Manchurian uh, manager uh, candidate because, uh, you know, he's he looks apart, uh, uh, bright personality, uh, at least uh, can talk to you about uh, technical details of the game. So, uh, you know, he can relate to kids, he can uh, t- talk to the media, he can schmooze. I, and he has a ton of baseball contacts, so he's always going to be friendly with the media. I, I just think that the Yankees were looking to have someone that can be personable and also just kind of well round out the Im- image because you got to do all the media obligations with the Yankees. And sometimes with Girardi, if you if anyone has watched the Joe <laughs> watched, uh, I should say rather uh, the Joe Girardi show on yes some of those episodes looked like the guy was grinding his teeth, just waiting for the show to be over as soon as possible. So uh, I think the Yankees are just kind of looking at this from the standpoint of uh, they want a kinder, gentler manager. Now, folks may not want to hear that, but I just think the way the game is uh, progressing at the moment, uh, teams are looking for uh, more well-rounded coaches uh, and managers that can exhibit a personality that relates to their players and keeps things interesting rather than a a strict tactician uh, going by the numbers because, again, these teams want to use the analytics, but they want to have it delivered by someone uh, that has the tact and the uh, respect of the players and the trust of the players so that they can agree with the decisions being made without having it... uh, turn into kind of a blow-up situation where uh, guys are getting frustrated. And uh, uh, that's where ultimately the game is uh, shifting towards. It's shifting towards an analytical 
model, but they want to have personable people being able to deliver those messages. So, speaking of personable people and uh, rather non-personable people, we're going to get to the uh, shift over to the NFL, and I know people have been waiting for me to weigh in on the news of the day that Ben McAdoo uh, and Jerry Reese have been fired as the head coach and GM, respectively, of the New York Giants. Uh, Again, these two firings were long overdue, in my opinion. Uh, But the fact that it happened today, to me, just signals a desperation play by John Mara, the owner of the Giants, to appease the fan base, who have now gotten to the boiling point of where I kind of was the last couple of weeks of just utter frustration with how poorly managed this team has been uh, for a few years now. This is no less than just trying to do a smokescreen. I mean, McAdoo was already out the door. Reese was likely going to follow uh, at the end of the season, but just the amount of poor media conducted by the Giants and just not being able to pull the numbers. You know, again, I I talk about this as being uh, enterprise risk management one-on-one, where you had to mitigate the uh, downfall with just the media fallout. They so misread the situation of as much as people want to bag on Eli for just not having the demeanor or the passion at times of uh, some other quarterbacks, everyone respected him. So when you treat your most tenured employee like dirt, that's going to get noticed. And of course they got pummeled for it, justifiably so. So now uh, you, you fire these two, and Maris trying to spin this, and the damage has already been done. But he's trying to spin this as if... Uh, uh, Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo made this decision without his knowledge and that uh, they're going to try to restore order by bringing Eli back into the fold. I mean, this is this is such nonsense. I mean, uh, honestly, th- to me, this is a non-story at this point uh, because it, it's just so comical about how this is being handled. It's like, it's, you know, if you're going to commit to a decision, commit to it. But uh, if you're going to go to, uh, uh, to the... Uh, Going down the route of saying, "Oh, we we need we need to uh, kind of right the ship and uh, get this back on track." Uh, I mean, you, you're so far off the track; it, it's not even uh, the G- GPS is recalculating multiple times. Uh, that's how far off the track the Giants are at this stage. Uh, you know, again, they tried tanking; everyone called them out for it. And now they're, they're trying to make it look as though, oh, wait, it's just these two. They, they were going rogue. Uh, I, I mean, it's just insulting to one's intelligence. Uh, uh, I, I'm so, so over this season. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I talked about that uh, we hadn't hit rock bottom yet because uh, the fact of the matter is is that Eli is, for all intents and purposes, going to be out the door next year. Uh, they're going to bring him back because uh, uh, to quarterback the next few games because Eli's loyal uh, to a fault at times. Uh, even after this public humiliation, uh, 
and exercise in futility that he's still going to agree to come under center and represent the team because that's just the way he is as a player. But uh, just uh, such a waste of time this past week has been. And it was just the clearest sign above all else that the Giants have just lost their rudder and don't know where uh, the next avenue is going to be because if the plan was to tank the season and get a high enough draft pick, you might as well just let those two chuckleheads ride it out. But because you so misread this season uh, and don't want to look like the bad guy on national TV with fans just canceling PSLs, that's the difference here. Uh, The amount of people who are calling in to cancel their PSLs for next year is what led to this decision. Not the fact that Mara uh, wants to do right by Eli. You know, Mara is just looking so shameless here. I, I, I can't. It's just so. It's just too frustrating dealing with the Giants at this point uh, to keep talking about this. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes uh, against the Cowboys. Don't expect much. But just just a waste of time. Uh, but, uh, you know, moving on uh, yeah, in NFL news, uh, Gronk has been suspended one game by the league, uh, which is well-deserved in my opinion. But, again, the, <laughs> the counter-argument to this is the fact that why was Gronk suspended one game when A.J. Green... Uh, assaulted Jalen Ramsey, got no games. Then you had Akeem Tlaib and Michael Crabtree literally bust out in a fist fight in the middle of a game, not once, but twice. And although they suspended him two games, he got knocked down to a one-game suspension. Uh, You know, the league is all over the place in disciplinary matters, and it's, it's, it's time for a general overview of... Uh, just the actual process of how punishments are handed down because now the league just seems to be happenstance here and there, and that's not the spot you want to be in. Actually, that's uh, uh, that's the position the National Hockey League finds itself in more often than not now. Of course, no one really talks about the NHL, but uh, uh, <laughs> except for me. But uh, you know, you can't have an arbitrary uh, ruling every single time there's an incident because now everyone's looking at it and saying, okay, who's the team? Who's uh, who, who's the person involved? Uh, I mean, the Patriots automatically owned up to it because the, the, the video itself is Gronk getting pissed off and then launching himself on a prone opponent. I mean, it's about as cheap, uh, as much a cheap shot as you can get. So the, uh, the Patriots knew that they couldn't get around it. I mean, everyone apologized uh, Gronk apologized. Uh, Belichick apologized immediately after the game. It was just an ugly look. Now, uh, again, Patriots do a lot of things. They uh, they'll 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 stretch the rule book to the very end. But the cheap shots are not something that they'll uh, tolerate. Uh, Gronk uh, is uh, is going to be suspended most likely. It doesn't look like he's going to appeal, but he's going to be in the doghouse. Uh, with uh, Belichick, there's no if, answer, buts about it. Uh, I'm not sure if that uh, 
means anything for his fantasy production. I think they'll still run plays for him. But in terms of just different ways of punishment during the week, uh, he's going to be filling out every single one of them uh, throughout practices uh, the next couple of weeks because uh, the Patriots do not operate that way. As much as Gronk was frustrated by, and it was a blatant hold that he had in pass interference. I mean, you could have called the pass. Uh, you could have called holding. You could have called pass interference. I mean, the fact that Buffalo got away with it, yeah, I don't know what those refs were looking at. So I get Gronk getting pissed off, but you can't respond that way. There, there's no way to get around uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, he could have legitimately uh, really hurt that guy by uh, with landing his full weight on him. So, uh, you know, again, Gronk uh, deserved suspension. It's just the fact that because the suspensions have been so poorly handled this year that it looks egregious compared to some of the other incidents that have already occurred this season. And, you know, that's that doesn't absolve Gronk at all. It just highlights just how uh, hypocritical uh, the process has become uh, in the NFL under uh, Goodell's watch. And it actually makes it another case of... Uh, uh, Goodell having to kind of watch himself uh, moving forward because, you know, these cases just make it an easier pattern for uh, owners like Jerry Jones to kind of pinpoint and harp on areas where Goodell has failed the league. So, we have the Gronk suspension. Uh, In terms of my overall look for fantasy, I figure I'd give folks just an tidbit into where my fantasy leagues are shaping up because we just had the conclusion of week 13 uh overall record uh this year for me and my uh fantasy teams uh, out of seven leagues uh, uh looking at a 600 winning percentage so uh, uh just at uh, the uh, 55 wins uh, across seven leagues uh you know again uh this is uh works out to be about an eight and five record overall uh had the highest scoring team in four out of seven leagues uh you know ideally when you're doing fantasy football season long you're looking to get eight wins if you hit that eight win mark across your leagues nine times out of ten you're going to make the playoffs uh even if it's a four team uh playoff uh, uh but usually with a 14 playoff you have uh uh, you have 14 weeks, but uh, you get my drift here. Uh, eight wins usually put you in a, a, a good spot to actually move forward. Uh, you know, the key is that you're tr- constantly trying to get your maximizing uh, your point total. So, yeah, yeah, you're going to have years where you're high up in uh, the point totals, but you still end up barely uh, getting over 500 because of the scheduling uh, issues. That happens, but what you're trying to do consistently, especially in your bye weeks, uh, that you want to focus on is the fact that you uh, you want to have enough balance throughout your lineup uh, that you can uh, call upon your players to actually get you what you need. Now, uh, in terms of how this translates into the playoffs, uh, playoffs, uh, you know, are typically... <laughs> I, I, I'm saying playoffs. I, I, I was. I, I swear I was going to go into the Jamora <laughs> playoffs rant, <laughs> but uh, the issue of uh, 
just how you prep for your playoff matchups. Uh, you you got to have a feel for your team at this point. Uh, my suggestions always uh, lean towards kind of don't reinvent the wheel. So if you have a particular modus operandi that's been working, you know, stick with it. I mean, it's gotten you this far. Uh, you know, obviously take a look at certain matchups. If you're seeing something that's really lining up where it's going to be damaging to you, you know, Take, for instance, if you've got exposure to Seattle uh, in week 14 uh, for your playoff matchup and you see that they're playing Jacksonville. Not an ideal matchup, uh, to say the least. Uh, You know, Jags lead the league in sacks. I mean, QB pressures. Uh, Although, on the flip side, if you're playing Jaguars defense, you can also have an issue there because, uh, you know, out out of... uh, uh, the matchups there, you know, the Jacks could also have a bad week in terms of uh, uh, Russell Wilson being able to generate enough offense because uh, he can avoid uh, the pass rush and avoid sacks that it could end up being a bad week for Jacksonville. I, I mean, it, you know, it's just one of those matchups where I kind of look at it as if I've got exposure to Seattle, I'm looking to avoid uh, having to rely on Doug Baldwin unless I don't have any suitable wide receiver two options. Because to me, Baldwin's a wide receiver two. And anyone else on Seattle uh, from the wide receiver position uh, is a wide receiver four at best. Uh, Jimmy Graham, uh, you you can look at him. And because tight end is so scarce, you got to play him. But I wouldn't necessarily rely on him in a matchup. And that's just the long and short of it. Sometimes you, you get into the playoffs and you got to rely on uh, who you got, but other times you may want to take a look at some someone else that may have a favorable matchup in, in case you can uh, see something you can exploit. So I'll, I'll get into that uh, with my Week 14 preview coming up, but uh, uh, in terms of uh, some things on Horizon, I uh, want to get into the UFC as well, but uh, gonna be running out of time today. But uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to do that a little bit later in the week, and uh, uh, we'll uh, get into uh, some of the other uh, aspects for Week 14 now that the now that the playoffs have arrived for most leagues. So uh, the only thing I will conclude with is yet another Lavar Ball story because why not? The man just keeps on demanding our attention. So previously on examples of terrible parenting uh, hosted by LeVar Ball, we had LiAngelo get arrested over in China and have to be uh, essentially negotiated to come back to the States by the President of the United States, Donald Trump. So instead of business as usual, LeVar gets into the Twitter war with Trump, gets the free advertising. LiAngelo, meanwhile, was indefinitely suspended by UCLA. So, in response to this, UCLA basically stated that LiAngelo needed to earn his way back into the trust of UCLA. LeVar responded by pulling LiAngelo out of school entirely. Uh, it, it seems as though LeVar is focusing on LiAngelo 
strictly for the 2018 NBA draft and is now currently exploring different options for Leangelo to play abroad. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's it's there's no chance, no chance that this uh, Leangelo was on any NBA draft uh, lottery uh, scouting. I mean, no chance. The shoplifting in China, he he he'd be lucky to get into the D League. I mean, this. I mean, Levar again. He's trying to build a brand, yet he has done nothing, and I mean nothing, to demonstrate that he's actually looking out for the best interests of his children. Because at least with the UCLA scholarship, uh, Leangelo uh, still could have gone to class, at least done something. Pulling him out of UCLA completely, uh, I mean... There is no recourse uh, for Leangelo. I mean, he's basically stuck in a situation where he's got to be able to perform abroad because there's no way for him to actually do anything with his life. His 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 dad is literally forcing this kid into just uh uh. <laughs> I mean, let's just listen to LeVar's quote here. I'm not sitting back and waiting. He wasn't punished this bad in China. We get back over here, and the consequences were even stiffer in China, so basically they're in jail here. I want to preface this by saying... <laughs> His son literally copped to stealing merchandise for Louis Vuitton stores abroad. He was going to serve something. So to say that he wasn't in jail in China is facetious because he was eventually going to go there. They weren't going to do the slap on the wrist. The only thing was is that it was high profile enough that uh, enough people were actually talking about the matter because obviously you have high-profile American students abroad committing crimes. So they could have made an example. So be that as it may. Maybe it would have it would have gone to the same degree that uh, uh, was being uh, informed by Trump, which I doubt it would have been 10 years, but there, there would have been something. But the fact that LeVar is living in fantasy land, saying that his son did nothing that egregious, it's it's the height of just irresponsibility because at now there's a sense of entitlement with uh, that's attached to every one of his children that whatever goes wrong, it's not nearly as bad as people think it is and that they, sh- they should be able to uh, get away with what they want to do. It's, it's just a mindset that is not going to resonate well with the NBA. Lonzo's already getting it from different people because uh, for people who are not uh, close to Lonzo and just look at it from the standpoint of, hey, Lonzo doesn't seem to be that engaged with his Lakers teammates, 
they can nitpick him because LeVar makes it easy. LeVar does post-game press conferences every single game. The Lakers literally instituted their own rule of banning uh, the press from congregating outside of the stands uh, to talk to Lon- uh, to talk to LeVar. I mean, it was already established rule. Just it was a, it was really meant to prevent uh, the media from harassing you know celebrities and whatnot. Uh, it wasn't uh, intended for uh, they they weren't expecting to have a helicopter dad uh, basically upstaged the entire organization by just promoting himself and his sons. The Lakers have a LeVar Ball problem that they 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 said they had an, uh, they said they had an agreement full of LeVar. Clearly LeVar interpreted differently. So now the Lakers are essentially trying to ban LeVar from doing post-game uh, press conference uh conferences with the media, which isn't going to happen. LeVar's just going to go maybe outside in the parking lot, wherever. He's going to find some avenue to talk about the uh, the game after the fact than what Lonzo did. Uh, it's just the Lakers probably should have done this from the outside of the season. Now that they set a precedent, people are going to keep tuning into uh, uh, LeVar one way or another. It's just uh, it's just not going to be on the court anymore. But uh, they're, st- they're still going to get upstaged by LeVar because LeVar... Makes it all about himself and his sons. But mostly about him. Period. And until there's some semblance among his sons that maybe LeVar doesn't serve their best interest. But from all accounts, they uh, they love their dad. So they're, they're going to follow him. And LeVar's probably lead him over a cliff. I mean, LiAngelo is going to be playing ball overseas. And he... He's, he may be playing overseas for the rest of his life, uh, to be honest, because uh, there's nothing in his game, based off of what the college and NBA scouts are saying, that translates to the NBA game. It, he's the least talented son, uh, doesn't seem to have much uh, a shot of making the league, even before the shoplifting incident. It would have been more as uh, an aside to... Uh, appease Lonzo, uh, whether it be the Lakers or wherever, Lonzo ends up next for his NBA career uh, to appease him. But, uh, you know, now, I mean, that kid, it's, it's, he, he did it to himself, but his father compounded the issue by uh, insisting that, uh, you know, they're treating him horribly when, you know, you committed a felony abroad while representing the school. Of course, you're going to get disciplined. Uh, you know, it's just the height of irresponsibility. So, uh, you've got LiAngelo, uh, gonna be playing, uh, basketball abroad, it seems, uh, within the next few weeks, once LeVar can, uh, secure, uh, an arrangement with a team that's to his liking. Uh, the only difference that a, a European team may take some benefit in is the fact that, uh, LeVar won't be able to travel back and forth, uh, uh, between Europe and the States. So uh, they, they may get a reprieve from him just constantly talking. Uh, but it, it's just a awkward situation because you have LaMelo Ball still in high school, but LaMelo uh, was pulled from his high school uh, last month so that LeVar can homeschool him and, uh, and get him ready for the NBA because there's... 
there's still no chance of LaMelo qualifying for the NCAA because he has his own shoe line with Big Baller Brand. I mean, again, LeVar has put his children in such a predicament that they don't have other avenues of actually getting uh, advancement in life. Now, if the if the brand works out, great. But if things go sideways with Lonzo, uh, if he has some type of uh, career-ending injury, God forbid, I mean, things can happen. Uh, it, it wouldn't be the first time that a promising superstar had his career cut short. The entire family is so heavily weighted in uh, the brand itself that they could be left out in the cold and you know honestly you don't want to penalize children for the mistakes of their fathers but LeVar has so leveraged this family to the hilt that if anything goes wrong it will completely topple uh, the actual house of cards this is built on and I'm not making a reference to the Netflix show uh, but I mean this is the epitome of a house of cards, though, uh, because honestly, anything that goes wrong with Lonzo is going to take down this entire brand and any equity that they have invested uh, with their shareholders and just bankrupt them. And they won't have an actual shoe deal because LeVar made this all about Lonzo uh, being the star of the brand and uh, not uh, going their own route. So they've made their own bed, but, you know... The more I see LeVar interact with his other sons, the more concerned I get about the future of uh, those kids. Because it, you know, well, I should say young men, but it, there's there's just so much baggage that I see with LeVar and the fact that he's their dad, they're not going to break away from him. But th- he's put them in such a tight spot and such a slimmer of a chance to succeed that uh, he's done them a disservice, in my opinion. But uh, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, he's going to try to ride this wave for as long as humanly possible. Uh, and, you know, I, I think sooner or later that 15 minutes is going to come calling. And when it does, I think it's going to be a very bad wake-up call for LeVar because I think he's going to keep trying to live through his sons and eventually they may have to cut him off but uh we'll see we'll see where that goes but uh I just want to get my take on the LiAngelo Ball situation because I saw that news story and I I, I you know I just couldn't I can't believe that uh, a father would be that reckless that he was gonna get reinstated to the basketball team eventually he just needed to wait out three months uh at and, uh, I mean, he would have come back before the end of the year. He would have had some chances to make the, uh, make a contribution to the team. And his father took it away from him. I mean, that that's that's all there is to it. Uh, LeVar cost his son a chance to actually play uh, college basketball. And he did it for just the most petty reasons because he felt that his son was punished enough. I, it, you know... So sometimes just delusions of some folks just it's just frustrating because you you see opportunities uh but and you want to pull for the notion of small business but when you see the way Lavar conducts uh business you you just shake your head so that's all for now uh 
like I said, we'll uh, get into week 14 in the NFL and a couple other fantasy news uh, with the NBA because uh, uh, the news, uh, uh, Steph Curry has rolled his ankle, so he may be out for a couple of games with Golden State while they rest uh, rest him and make sure he's okay. But uh, a scary-looking injury. But we'll get into some NBA stuff uh, eventually uh, this week, and obviously we'll get into fantasy football now that the playoffs have started. So that's all for now. Have a good one, everyone. most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll, <laughs> I'll take Giselle, okay? Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.